This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Heineman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. It's fun to be back this week, even though this topic is a little heavy today, but I'm just going to start us off by talking about a little bit. Like this time of year, Mm -hmm. the longer, the longer nights, you know, just the darkness. (laughs) Yeah, it it does. It does affect us. And we're going to talk a little bit about seasonal depression. So, we're so excited that Lily Park is with us today. Lily, welcome to the Mark Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So glad to be here. Yeah, let's just start off um, hearing a little bit about you and your ministry, and then let's start with fun. So what is one thing that you like to do for fun? So just tell us about those things. Mm. Okay, so I've actually ran a couple of races, uh, like mini marathons and marathons. Wow! And <laughs> the last one has been several years, but I still want to do a race someday and uh-huh. maybe qualify for the Boston Marathon in my Ooh. 60s or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that would be so cool. But, I, I feel like I it's a running joke in my family, not a running joke, um, but <laughs> not intended, but I like it, that I am always trying to become a runner. Like my family is just like, sure, sure, you're going to run a 5K or whatever. And so um, – I admire people that are runners, but I have yet to make that leap myself. So, so Elizabeth, maybe you and I, maybe that should be one of our New Year's things. Maybe you and I should sign up for a 5K and we can push each other. That would be something <laughs> new. Um, I, did, I ran cross country in high school, but I, oh. when, I, when I finished, it's like I'm done. Like I don't want to run yeah. again. Mm-hmm. But I so admire people who can do that. And I know. Okay, I got to ask you though, <laughs> why do you think you have to wait till you're in your 60s to do that? Oh, okay. So it's, you know, just life happens. So I've been telling myself, for the past 10 years, I'm going to run a marathon this year, and then it's next year, and then next mm-hmm. year. And at first, I remember, I was like, okay, after I've finished my doctoral, I'm going to do it. And then I got a job, and it got really busy. So it just – but I looked at the um, qualifying times for the Boston Marathon, and I thought, okay – I might qualify when I'm in my 60s, so that's why I'm in my 60s. I'm not the fastest runner, and I think that's why I like marathons. It's not about Mm. speed, but more of perseverance. So. <laughs> the Nashville City Marathon or Music City Marathon is always um, near my birthday. And so mm-hmm. I was always like, the year that it's on my birthday, I'm going to run the uh, I was not aiming for the full marathon, but just the hey, marathon. That's so but, good. Uh, I did not do it. So just that's just added to the many times that I tried to become a runner and did not <laughs> make it. So. Well, you know what? Even walking um, yeah. 30 minutes, that's still good. I always yeah. tell people it's probably better for our knees too. <laughs> right. So. I do love a good walk uh, around yes. my neighborhood. So, yeah. okay. Well, tell us about yourself and who you are and like what you do um, in your yeah. ministry. So I teach biblical counseling at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. 
And a lot of people don't know what biblical counseling is. They know what counseling mm-hmm. is, but not biblical counseling. So right. I often have to define it. So I'll be brief. Um, I like to def- define it as intense discipleship. So the goal of discipleship is usually walking with, in our context, sisters in Christ, um, helping them to grow into the image of Christ. And But sometimes we go through just really hard seasons, and we need a little bit more focused attention, should I say, for a season. And I think that's where um, a biblical counselor could help that person. And um, that's how I like to describe it. It's it's a ministry using the Word of God, um, depending on the Holy Spirit, to help people grow into the image of Christ, even in the midst of trials and sufferings. And so, well, and, oh, yeah, yeah, go even, ahead. Even as, well, even as you're talking about that, I mean, some people might say, well, what is the difference between biblical counseling and maybe a licensed counselor? Sure. And, because being a biblical counselor doesn't mean that you don't have training. So even talk a little bit about that. That's a great question. You're right. Um, so I like to use the scale because um, a lot of people ask me these questions. In a sense, we're all biblical counselors, just like we're all theologians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sometimes we think, mm-hmm. oh, you have to go to seminary to be a theologian. But all of us are theologians. I, I liken it to say, asking, um, it's a matter of, Do you know good theology or bad theology? Mm -hmm. But we always speak it in different ways. Every time we speak about God's truth, that is. Um, So with biblical counseling, we're all biblical counselors in that we all are called to minister to each other in different ways. Um, But sometimes a lot of those like small group conversations or coffee talk might be more like level, let's say, one or two. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe small group might be three or four. But then you might meet with a more seasoned uh, godly man or woman and for like level five, six, but sometimes crisis issues uh, like suicidal thinking even or maybe like miscarriage or, um, and you know, depression, anxiety have a spectrum. But if it's mm-hmm. more of a um, chronic uh, one, maybe it's more at the level of eight or nine. And I'd say more at those levels, mm-hmm. it's useful to have someone properly trained in biblical counseling because you do learn skills and how to engage people, and how to use scripture appropriately. Because uh, biblical counseling, I should clarify, is not just saying, well, this is what this verse says, and just right. believe it, and repent, and then there you go. Just <laughs> if you just believe more. believe more, yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's mm-hmm. right. You don't need biblical counseling training to do that. Um, and this is a little more skilled um, usage of scripture, but also uh, personal, interpersonal skills, in um, getting to the, we call it the heart issues. Mm-hmm. So the belief is that only God can get to the deepest parts of our soul, which is the heart. And when we get, when we can get more at that level, we can really have um, our affections, our emotions, um, our thoughts, things like that um, transformed. But that's something God has to do through His Spirit, and it's really powerful to see when it happens. And it's really humbling for me because it's not about my knowledge and eloquence so much as really the person coming to, um, you know, depend on the Lord and mm-hmm. learning new ways of approaching that certain problem. Yeah. 
Well, what made you decide to pursue biblical counseling? So it was not by intention. I had no idea what it was in the beginning. Um, I'm the so. same. I I have a degree in it, and I exactly the same way. I was just like, I don't know. Seems interesting. <laughs> exactly. I think yeah. They're like, oh, it's biblical and it's counseling, right. and I like both. So, um, so my journey actually started close to 20 years ago almost. I worked in the secular realm of business and consulting, and I lost two colleagues at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I was in my early 20s, and I just really wrestled with, wow, life is short, and what is it I want to do? And I didn't hate my job. I really enjoyed it, learned a lot from the people I worked with. But I really enjoyed um, the small group ministry I led in college. But I didn't know what I could do to pay bills that way. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, um, not being a pastor, and, and I didn't know any woman, women in seminary even at that time. Mm-hmm. But I met a, a new couple at our church, and the wife graduated from a seminary. And she really inspired me, gave me more courage to consider. And then someone told me about biblical counseling. And I went to this one-day event in New York, and I just fell in love with it. I was like, wow this is powerful. And I think it really hit home when the coordinator of the program um, in California where I studied, he said, you know, let's take shyness as an example. Have you ever thought shyness is a form of fearing people? And it really resonated with me because I was a shy girl growing up, Mm -hmm. but no one put it in that framework, Mm -hmm. that, that kind of biblical theological framework. And so I was sold. I was like, okay, <laughs> um, where can I, what do I need, what do I need to do next to apply? And that's the start of where I am now. I, lo- I love how great. God, yeah, I love how God just like puts us in the right places and then they're around the right people and just yeah. give and, and really ignites that spark and kind of a passion for something. And you think, wow, this resonates with me or I, yes. I get it. I think that's um, I think for all of us, we have those moments where it, mm-hmm. you can look back on that with a little more clarity and think, oh, yes. wow, the Lord was directing my life that way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Lily, we talked, a, I mean, at the first I, I mentioned, because, you know, this time of year, there is, um, even here in Nashville, there's like these gray months, like kind of January, mm-hmm. February, that no one, no one told me that when I moved here. And, <laughs> and surprise. I, yeah, mm-hmm. surprise. And yeah. it, I didn't even know it was affecting me that much until I actually had been in Nashville a couple of months and went to Texas where the sun <laughs> shines a lot more. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, I've missed the bright sun. I've missed this. And so we know that this is a tough time for a lot of people. And um, Mm -hmm. so we kind of want to be sensitive to that and just talk a little bit about how we deal with that. So when when we start maybe having feelings of anxiety or depression in our lives, and maybe it's just that season of life, how how can Mm -hmm. we biblically respond to those feelings? Yeah, um, I always like to encourage people that it's not a sin to feel down and Mm. it's not a sin to feel, um, have seasons of depression. I mean, assuming you're not making consequences that leads to some of those emotions, right? But sometimes we just unexplainably have these seasons. Um, You know, we go to church, we're in the word, we're praying and we're trying. So I just want to be clear on that because I think there's a lot of shame with that. And sometimes that just isolates us. Mm. But 
I think it's really important to talk about how God created us. And we, we say a lot in the Christian world and theology that we're all creating God's image. Um, but we don't really talk about how God created us with a body and a soul. And with that comes how there's um, the environment that can affect our emotions. Um, it can affect our souls and bodies in different ways. And changing weather, cloudy weather, constant rain, whatever those kind of weather might be for your listeners' context, that can affect your mood. Mm-hmm. So there is some physical component there, but just as a way of comfort, we were talking about earlier in the podcast about running, and mm-hmm. I think you don't have to run, especially a marathon, but I, I, I do think a form of walking or some kind of exercise can be helpful in affecting your mood, because even in the Bible, it talks about, um, there's a verse, it says, what is it? Uh, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed in Proverbs 15, I think. But it's just a simple illustration that the things that goes on in our heart is re- reflected in our outward um, appearance, our external. So the way our body and the soul, they, in other words, they affect each other. They're not like two separate things. So how we take care of our bodies, like sleep is another important thing, making sure you get adequate sleep. Secular doctors even say, um, or secular studies even say like eight to nine hours Mm -hmm. is it's good. And you're not being lazy for getting that sleep. So all those things I think is good for us. But also I really think um, our moods are impacted by what we treasure in our hearts too. And maybe it's a, it's a time where we have to be more vigilant about what we watch and what we read and choosing to meditate on God's truth. And I think as women, sometimes, we can, especially when it's that time of the month and our hormones affect us too, we can get more emotional and let that control us, um, let that control our, our mood and think, well, that's just PMS. I just, it is what it is. And so I think we can be more intentional when we are feeling down um, by renewing our thoughts with God's truth. And I'm not saying this is like a simple formula. You just read a verse and you walk outside right. 15 minutes. <laughs> but I, I just think I'm thinking more long-term of how do we stay more stable, Should I, I should say, um, mm-hmm. when we are tempted to be unmotivated or just to like isolate ourselves. Um, so I think those are some things just yeah. thinking about how we care for our bodies, like sleep and exercise, even diet, but also how we're caring for our souls through God's word and prayer and fellowship. I think that's really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there have been there's been more conversation in recent years and even recent months about how our physical bodies mm-hmm. work with our soul, our spirit, mm-hmm. our mind. Um, 
And so I think that that is something that we are starting to pay more attention to. And I think it's really good that we are because, you know, God made us whole people and we're supposed to love him with our heart, soul, mind and strength. And so that's that's all those things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the more that we can figure out how those work together and how taking care of one affects Mm -hmm. uh, the other is going to be helpful for sure. Yes. So what are some ways that we can encourage our family members and mm-hmm. and our friends that may be the same or that may be different depending on your relationship, but like who are dealing with depression and um, anxiety, mm-hmm. especially this time of year? Yeah, I was just talking about anxiety in class the other day, and um, it was encouraging how some of the students were sharing it with their family members who were going through anxiety. So that was just really neat to hear about. But I think one is just, you know, I think it's this posture of wanting to just listen well so we can understand what their concerns are and their struggles. Sometimes we have a tendency to be like, oh, you're struggling with anxiety. Oh, Matthew 6 has anxiety in it. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. And it's it's good intentions. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. And I know I've done that probably in the past too. But I really try to teach my students, you know, guys, um, it might be anxiety on the surface, but you know, let's ask some of those questions of what's really going on in their lives. Because I use this example a lot. You can be meeting with three women for anxiety, let's say. Mm-hmm. But as you get to talk to each woman, you realize, hmm, there there's different kinds of concern for each yeah. woman. It's not just anxiety. That's what it is in terms of a label or right. like a general description. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful as a starting point, but that is not the issue usually, like quotation mark there. Right. Um, usually that's just a way to start the conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. so how long has this been going on? Um, is Has there been some recent life changes, maybe mm-hmm. you know, jobs that changed or um, family things going on, you know, or relational issues? Like, are there any things that um, correlates with when some of this, these symptoms of depression or anxiety started? So that could be a simple way of maybe identifying mm-hmm. um, something, a circumstantial event. And then that might help you to try to be more practical in how to respond to those circumstances. But then we want to get to more of, so um, I like to use this question often, what would make you happy? Mm-hmm. And it's a simple question but it results in profound answers sometimes. Yeah. Because yeah. it really tells me, you know, we like when um, Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is. And that's not just money, right? It can be time. Um, it can be our resources. But what is it that's so important to you? And a lot of times when we start getting at that level of talk, um, more of the deeper issues of anxiety starts to surface. Like, wow, this person really is uh, depressed because she really feels unloved. And she she grew up, let's say, in a home where she was criticized often. And so she's very sensitive um, to, like, 
any kind of feedback from people because for her that means she's not lovable. That's just、mm-hmm. one example, but、mm-hmm. um, you know she start she's struggling with anxiety. But then we found out there's an area we can talk about a greater love found in Jesus that doesn't change and、mm-hmm. that is more、um, secure than anything else that man or woman can provide. And um, and and is more stable, so and deeper, I should say.、Mm-hmm. So that's just one example that comes to mind.、Um, been having a lot of these conversations lately, and I just I have to tell you, they're they're different from person to person.、Um, it starts out with, "Can you talk? I'm struggling with anxiety or depression,、mm-hmm. but it looks different af- after one hour of talking over coffee or something." Yeah, so I think, I think、um, thing, asking more questions is good. Well, I was I was just gonna say I think one of the things that I always really appreciate about、um, any type of counseling,、uh, a good counselor number one is how to listen,、mm-hmm. and they know how to ask good questions. Yes, and just that ministry of presence,、um, so much of that of just being available to people,、mm-hmm. and and so we could all do better in those two areas: learning how、oh, to ask、sure. good questions and learning how to be better listeners. Yeah. Yes. It would be really good for all of us. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I do want us say. I think it's important that we don't just allow like a venting session. You know、mm-hmm. what I mean? Just talking about it, and that's helpful too, because sometimes people need to talk about it, right? But I do think we're not really caring for them,、uh, for their souls at least, until we help them understand biblically about. Their situation or their desires, and that's where scripture matters because it's not about my opinion or my knowledge. At the end of the day, it's God's word that、yeah. is authority, and I want them to grow and their confidence to grow in God's word because、um, I don't want them to seek to please me, and I think that can happen. I, I want them to grow. Not just in knowing God more, to, but to love Him more and to want to please Him more. And if we can help that person in those areas, I really、mm-hmm. do think、um, they can experience more of that peace that surpasses all understanding. Yeah.、Um, so just hope. I always say we have to give hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in every meeting, there's always hope, as dark as it might seem. Yeah. And that's、um, it's funny that you phrased it that way because in my classes, like I found my notes from my counseling classes,、mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that I had just kind of jotted in the margins, but love and still love is just like in every session,、mm-hmm. um, show hope, like it display hope, point toward hope,、um, yes, because I think that is. The key for counselors—that's the key for friends, for family, for all Christians—is just like we need to point people toward hope,、yes. um, because that is what differentiates us. And I know Kelly, I've said this on the podcast so many times, but it's definitely something that、um, was like、uh, drilled into me in a, the best way during my、yeah. counseling classes. Is that's that's the difference、um, between、mm-hmm. those of us who believe in the hope of Christ and those、mm-hmm. who don't. And so we need、right. to. We need to definitely advance hope, as my pastor says. <laughs> yes, you can never give enough hope. Yeah, scripture <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, Lily, I know you know the anxiety, depression. Sometimes those are、um, they they have different 
kind of degrees, and, and you talked a little bit about that, but there are also, like a lot of our friends, maybe even in the last couple of years with the pandemic, have experienced like a deeper grief, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's the, the grief of a loved one, or maybe even just the loss of a dream or expectation. Yes. Um, and, and so I think, you know, when Scripture says, that we need to weep with those who weep and mm-hmm. how do we grieve well? I think yes. that's something that I think we could explore a bit. Yes, that's such a great question. Uh, and I think helping others with their grief is just really, it's intimidated, right? For a lot of us, because we don't want to add to their hurt. Um, but sometimes we want to help them. So we say something that we, we might regret later. But I say sometimes, I think of even the book of Job, uh, sometimes it's just best to be silent when you don't mm. know what to say. And that's okay. Mm. Because the people I've met with, um, they will tell me after their um, grieving process is more um, minimal, they will say, you know, thank you for making the time to be with me. I don't remember what you said. I remember you, maybe you prayed, but your presence meant so much. So I think we just forget the power of being with those who are grieving physically and showing our affections by hugging them, if they felt comfortable these days with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying, you know, it's not the time to like preach, <laughs> right? Give them that yeah. verse and so forth. Like Philippians four four says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." <laughs> right. Um, but you know, it's just, sister. Um, I'm so sorry, and can I just pray for you? Because sometimes they just need to hear other people pray, mm-hmm. and they need to remember God is with them, God cares for them, and God loves them, and He will help them. And if they they may not feel that way. And they might feel lost um, by God, for, uh, forgotten even. But I think that's when we can remind them of their faith in the Lord and help them to place their hope in Him. So when we're trying to help people with grieving, um, yeah, there's many ways. But I think just being there physically shows a lot of love to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't overstay. I should also stay that yeah. too. <laughs> be yeah. sensitive because some people get exhausted when there's people around right. them. So be sensitive mm-hmm. to that. Um, maybe just 30 minutes is good. Or if they ask you to stay longer, that's different. Mm-hmm. And then offer to pray. And even ask, is there anything I can do for you practically? Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's something with chores in the house or errands or grocery shopping or babysitting. Um, that could be really, really useful as they're trying to like take care of all these, you know, funeral arrangements mm-hmm. or just, you know, mm-hmm. emotions that are just weighing on them, and it makes them more tired. Yeah. So um, you know, I think it kind of goes to the things. website that we were talking about, Elizabeth, oh. before we started recording. Yes. Of just like, hey, this website you can send soup and things like <laughs> yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's a, a great idea. <laughs> I saw recently somebody uh, posted this on Instagram, and I wish I could remember who it was, but um, they posted what their friend did for them in a time. I'm not really sure. I don't remember the circumstances, but it was something where they needed help, but mm-hmm. her friend, and a lot of times people are like, don't ask what they need, just do stuff. But I'm always mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know what to do. And so this friend actually <laughs> gave her, she was like, you have three options. I can come over and keep like, take the big kids to a park, 
Um, I can do your laundry or I can pick you up something at Target. I'm already on my way to Target. Oh, and so it was wow. just like, I was like, I like that there are options. That's so it's like, I don't idea. have to think of something. But yes. at the same time, it's these very practical things that's like, here's what I'm, here's what I'm willing to do kind of. Yes. But in a way that just kind of like limited the, instead of just like, let me know if I can do anything for you. Yes. Um, but also just not like I'm coming over to do your laundry. Cause like some right. people don't want that. So yes. um, I, well, I thought that was a great idea yeah I know a friend that like when when my mother-in-law passed away she just showed like she just left on our doorstep a sack full of like toilet paper and Kleenexes mm-hmm. and and uh just aspirin you know things like that that she was like I know that people are coming to your house I know you've got mm-hmm. a lot going on and I was like that's just such a practical yeah. helpful thing to think about I never thought about that yeah. yeah I think Jamie Ivy one time on her podcast mentioned that you know we have the meal trains and everything but she's like <laughs> I'm I'm not a good cook so I just take <laughs> over like toilet paper milk like things yeah. that you need but like no one's bringing you yeah I was like that's a good idea too so I think those very practical ways but also like you said just being there and being a listening ear for Mm -hmm. people um because sometimes you you need to talk about Mm -hmm. things like if it's uh, depending on what you're grieving you might want to share memories of a person if it's a person Mm -hmm. or you might want to just you know, vent about, uh, mm-hmm. the loss of a dream or a plan and you're just sad about it, but you also just want to get it out. And so I think, um, that's important to just kind of, you know, trust, lean into the spirit and trust, um, that he will show you what to do. Cause I think that that is a very biblical thing to sit beside the person as they, yes. as they grieve. So yes. while we're, t- while we're talking about weeping with those who weep, the verse also says to rejoice with those who rejoice. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that we can hold this tension? Because mm-hmm. we uh, we will always probably have someone in our life that is mourning, is weeping, and then we'll also always have someone in our life who's rejoicing. So yeah. how do we hold those at the same time um, mm-hmm. and celebrate well the people who are rejoicing, but also grieve well with those who are grieving? Yes. Well, let me know when you find out. Okay, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's yeah, always going to be the big question. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think it's so much about person to person, right? Yeah, it's it's what you guys are talking about too. Like, find out what is helpful to that person. Find out what is their needs and preferences. But uh, I think sometimes it's. Uh, so this example comes to mind. I was at a church once and. There were uh, two couple friends um, that were really close to each other, and they're both going through infertility. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple years ago, one of the couples found out they were pregnant, and so we were able they were able to share with the church about it. But they felt really heavy hearted because they knew their friend, who'd been struggling with infertility just as long as they were, were not. Uh, you know, they didn't have the same news. And, but you know what was beautiful is after they shared about their pregnancy, the other couple, they knew this other couple probably felt heavy um, in sharing that. Um, And they just shared, you know, we just want you to know we are rejoicing with you. Even though we're still wanting a child and we're still waiting and I'm not saying they're grieving, but there's a sense of really longing mm-hmm. for a child. But it was 
I really had to practice self-control not to just cry <laughs> there yeah. because it was just so um it was obviously God had really comforted them and mm -hmm. so they were able to rejoice with this other couple who had this good news um, so that's a little bit of a different story but yeah. I guess it just reminds me of how we can rejoice with others even in the midst of weeping um like let's say your friend gets that job you were really wanting and you're still mm -hmm. searching for a job um, I think when we can remember that God has a plan for each one of us in his timing and part of that is recognizing um, he's in control and yeah. and it's not about my timing and my ways and when we can when we start thinking that way I think that's when we can get more anxious and really sad about our circumstances so those are some things I try to help people is redirect the one who has everything in his hands yeah and find some peace mm. and rest in that I don't know if that answered your question directly oh, no I mean I think <laughs> I think you're right. We're all just living in that tension of um, rejoicing and weeping at the same time. And that example, I think, is one that is very real and happens quite a lot um, of just people that we love and are uh, doing life with and, you know, are getting the very thing that we've been praying for. And so how do we rejoice in the middle in the middle of that while we're also mm -hmm. dealing with our own grief. And so I think that's that's really yeah. important um, and a great encouragement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Lily, we're kind of towards the end and we always have a question at, about what has marked you in your walk with Christ. So tell us a little bit about maybe something that's marked you. Mm, there's so many. Um, but I, I think for me, this past couple of years, it's just been a reminder uh, of God's care for me, even when I don't see everything that makes sense in front of me. And mm -hmm. it's just been a really sweet season the past couple of years to see God's sovereignty and allowing certain things to unfold in my life and certain things not unfold. Mm -hmm. And it's been... I guess it's sort of like Job at the end, like he knew God, but he sees him more through his experiences. And I think for it's easy for us to read books and study and all these good things out there, but it, it wasn't until going through some of these lots of changes um, and moving and different relationships um, that God really just showed me his faithfulness and care for me. And it, it's been, I think that's been a theme for me even in teaching is that even when we talk about something like anxiety and depression, be careful that we're not just talking about, well, if you do this, then you can have more peace, you know, or right. if you pray more. But you know what? Um, you can have more peace because of God's care mm -hmm. and his presence in your life. Like, let's not forget God in talking about the Christian life. Mm. if that makes sense and yeah. yeah i i think being in seminary it can be so easy to just get lost in um, lots of knowledge and things like that but uh just i'm so dependent on god every single day and there's no amount of knowledge and theology that can make up for me seeking the lord um praying to him and seeking and reading his word and meditating on it. Mm -hmm. So 
um, just yeah, God's care for me even when things are not clear mm-hmm. um, before my eyes, and just to find rest. I think that's maybe that's the word I should say: rest, <laughs> rest in the Lord. Um, I'm going in a big circle. I think it's just really resting in God. Yeah, especially with the pandemic this past year. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's been a lot of changes. Things you feel out of control, and I moved from one state to another. Um, it just again, I moved into my house a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> just things not according to my timing. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's just learning to rest in God's timing and His provisions, even though it may not be the way that I want it mm. at that time. And that I think that's been really helpful for me. Mm, yeah. I love that. Well, Lily, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, I, th- I know that you're going to help a lot of our listeners, and and we do just want to remind our listeners too that if mm-hmm. if this is a struggle that you know maybe you've had even um, really you know thoughts of self harm or anything like that, we really want to encourage you to call a hotline or to get um, some real, some help right away. Um, and so we want to encourage you in that way. So Lily, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank today. you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us again this week and we'll see you next week. Bye. If you identified with this episode or you struggle with anxiety, we want to recommend the anxious Bible study. You can join Scarlet Hill to Bidal in this eight-session study to learn how we can practically take hold of the perfect peace that is only available through God as we dive deeply into His Word, embrace the practice of prayer, and live authentically in the support of our communities of faith. Learn more at lifeway.com anxious. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.